This is the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is now a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works or others in the book world about their roles, what those roles entail, and the books they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Thoughts from a Page. Thanks to Maggie Garza of HTX Real Estate Group for sponsoring my podcast. I am out of town next week and taking the week off. So after this week, new episodes will resume on August 10th. I hope you have a great week. Suzanne Park is a Korean-American writer who was born and raised in Tennessee. In her former life as a stand-up comedian, she appeared on BET, was the winner of the Seattle Sierra Mist Comedy Competition, and placed as a semifinalist in NBC's Stand Up for Diversity Showcase in San Francisco. She currently resides in Los Angeles with her husband and her female offspring. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, professional book, book Nerds. Nerds. Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe. On Thursdays, we share recommendations and dive into topics readers face, like how do I actually read the books on my to-be-read list? You can find the Professional Book Nerds podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn more about us? Our website is professionalbooknerds.com, and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at ProBookNerds. We hope you'll come and listen, and as always, happy, happy reading. reading. Welcome, Suzanne. How are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well also, and I'm looking forward to talking about So We Meet Again. Great. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, why don't we start out with you giving a quick summary of the book for those that won't have read it yet? Sure. So We Meet Again is a part coming of age, part love story. I like to say that it's about food and family, finding yourself and falling in love. And it follows Jesse Kim, who is an overworked Korean-American investment banker. She is laid off on Zoom and she moves back home and starts an online Korean cooking show. And when she's home, she runs into her childhood rival. His name is Daniel Choi, and she thinks he has the perfect life. But as she gets to know him, she couldn't be more wrong. I couldn't believe she got laid off on Zoom. And she was the last one standing when that happened. I felt for her. Oh, uh, yeah. When I wrote that scene, I was like, oh, this is going to be this is this is one of those scenes where it's a little heartbreaking from the beginning. But she, you know, she finds herself later and picks herself back up. So it wasn't it wasn't too much of a dark moment. But the fact that she did get laid off on Zoom, that happened to one of my friends. And that's how I got the idea to even have that kind of scene. No way. I mean, I guess with the pandemic, if nobody is in the office at work, how else are you going to be laid off? But it's sort of hard to imagine. Is that what happened with your friend? Yes, she was brought in by HR. And it was just a mass layoff situation. But it's exactly that. She was within a group and it was just this group a layoff. You know, she described how that felt and how it seemed. And I remember thinking, I need to write about this because it's so bizarre. And it's very specific to what we're living in right now, the world we are in. But there were other things that made it into the book that felt very pandemic-y uh, in terms of just things that uniquely happened in 2020 and 2021. Like I mentioned, the Zoom layoff, of course, but there's grocery deliveries and meal kits in my book and also just the heavy use of social media. And I just 
some reason when I was writing this book, I just put it all in there because <laughs> those are the parts that I could find humor in. Well, and I think that's great because they are really relevant and things we're all experiencing. And so it's kind of nice to see those familiar things in the book. Yeah. And I tried to make sure that there were things that were that could be taken light, lightheartedly and you can laugh at later, <laughs> um, especially the grocery delivery that happens pretty early where she's ordering something and they are trying to figure out how to get the goods to her in a very unconventional way. I absolutely love that. I was completely cracking up. I thought, I don't know if I'd have the guts to ask a delivery person to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing because they have these forms you can fill out at the bottom where, you know, directions are optional and <laughs> you can write whatever you want. And she does. And so I thought when I was writing it, I was thinking, what could be the most absurd thing she could ask a delivery person <laughs> to do? And that made it in the book, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. Well, how did you come up with a storyline for the book? Like, where did your ideas come from? Well, I have several friends who work in finance. Over drinks one night, we were talking about our jobs, and they told me about some of the microaggressions and macroaggressions that they faced on Wall Street. And I couldn't believe some of them. Some of them are sort of like things that you have um, in any male-dominated industry, but some are very specific to the finance world. And I left the restaurant that night knowing that I wanted to write about this. I do think it is such a male-dominated field that it is harder for a woman to make her way there. That's true. And some of my friends who have been working in this industry for so long, you know, the, some of the tales they've told me, I found them very hard to swallow and and even believe, but this was their just their daily thing that happens to them over and over again. And it's happened for many years. So they're almost desensitized and kind of ignore it and kind of write it off as part of their job. And it's just something that from an outsider looking in, I wanted to call it out and, you know, just shed light on what's happening. I think that's right. And just say these things should not be happening. You're right. What about research? Did you have to do any research? Well, I have a lot of interviews that I did. So I did a lot of one-on-one -on -one interviews with female investment bankers. And a lot of, of those women were Asian. And then I bought tons of books about banking. In my past life, I was actually, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this in any interview or anything, but I was an entrepreneur for several years. Some of the things that I mentioned in the book are things that I remember going through because it was a consumer good. So I would have to pack all the stuff and ship it and do the mailing labels and make sure it wouldn't break. And, you know, just all of the invoicing, all that stuff that are very critical to a small business, all of that made it in. And it's very much like what a real entrepreneur or somebody that's just starting out on their own have to go through. They're, they are a solo company. What did you do as an entrepreneur? I manufactured and designed eco-friendly laptop accessories. So right when the iPad came out, I happened to have developed a sleeve for the Kindle and ended up changing the design. So it was an iPad sleeve. And I also had purse organizers and laptop bags. All the products that we created were developed in the United States and all the materials were locally sourced. So the idea was to keep everything made in the United States and manufactured here. But over the course of my eight years of doing this, a lot of the production facilities were, had closed 
and the materials had all been basically all these factories had shut down and everything was moved overseas. So it was just an industry that couldn't sustain itself in the United States. But I had a really enjoyable time doing it because now I know how hard it is to be an entrepreneur. (laughs) And I'm glad I got to write about it to some degree in this book. I was going to say, and you got to then bring all of that to life and you didn't have to look into it because you'd already lived it. Yes. Yes. There's just the minutia of the day-to-day from doing emails constantly through the weekend to, again, printing out invoices and having the printer go, uh, the ink go out and just little things. And you're trying to make it to FedEx by a certain time. A lot of these little things, I think, I think a lot of small business owners could relate to this. I'm sure. I even feel like a little bit of that related to my podcast, like my podcast merchandise and some of those things. I feel like I've had to learn a whole new business. It's true. And, you know, when you think about entrepreneurship, you know, it's hard, but you think of, you know, these people who have visions, but then when you actually are doing it, so much of it is just administrative. And I remember when I was designing and manufacturing these purse organizers and laptop bags and laptop sleeves, I didn't have much time to do any more of the designs and creative development. So it just was a very hard job overall. And I wanted to acknowledge that in this book. I really like Jesse's idea of meal hacking the standard meals that come like Home Chef or whoever you're getting your meal from, taking that and then making it more flavorful. In her case, adding Korean elements to it, sort of a a meal hack for the standard meal that's coming. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So in the story, Jesse decides that she wants her business to be stemming from the fact that she does use all these meal kits and gets really sick of them. Um, As we can all experience in the pandemic, if you've ever tried some of these meal kits, I think I went through four or five different brands. And after a while, I just stopped the deliveries altogether because I was just tired of the same old recipes. And so in the story, Jessie decides to Koreanize these meal kits by adding in Korean flavors and other Asian flavors so that you could take a typical steak meat and then make it have Korean marinade. And so her business is basically producing these marinades. And also she has a YouTube channel where she teaches people how to cook using her marinades. So overall, her business starts to flourish because there she finds out that there are a lot of people who want to learn how to cook and hack their meal kits, and also are tired of eating the same old thing every day. Yeah, I just loved that because the choices are so narrow and you get tired of them after a while. It'd be so great to have somebody helping me do that. I've had early readers ask me if this was actually going to be a thing, like (laughs) from the book. Like I would have a franchise of these Korean sauces and marinades and, and meal kit hacks. And I thought, wow, that actually would be something I would want. So maybe if I end up hanging up my author hat, I will end up doing that as a business someday. Which character did you enjoy writing the most? And which character did you enjoy writing the least? Oh, wow. Um, I think the character I enjoyed writing the most was the mother. She was somewhat based on my actual mother. Uh, Maybe it's a combination of my mother and father. But when I wrote her, I had an idea of what I wanted her to be like. But then there's a scene probably her first breakout scene where Jessie is cooking and her mom does a walk on cameo onto the show. And somehow when I was writing that scene, the mom just came to life. And it was that spark in that moment that I was not actually intending or planning that really made me think like, this is 
something that I haven't seen in any other writing or any other literature, but I definitely want to explore this some more. So I continued to incorporate her in the business that Jesse's doing. And it was just a lot of fun just to see the mother daughter dynamic. And then the character that I least enjoyed writing, I would say were, were all the people at her old job. <laughs> because when I started writing this, I was still so angry about, you know, the things that my friends had gone through. So although these are not technically real people, you know, that are in her work environment, they actually are based on the characteristics of people that they were telling me about. So while they're fictional, they're actually based on real people. It was like, hard to make that whole thing comical, but I tried my best to do that. Well, and I loved her response after she's been fired on Zoom and she overhears unpleasant comments about herself and about some other people where she just kind of snaps back at them. I loved that. I was like, go, Jesse. Yes, I enjoyed writing that scene too. That was a scene I added in a little bit later because I didn't want her to just have gotten laid off and just kind of accept it. I wanted her to have a comeback or some retaliation because it was an unjust layoff. Absolutely. And I just love that she was able to have the last word. Mm -hmm. So this is your second book to come out this summer. Do you want to talk a little bit about having two books coming out so close in time to each other and at the tail end or wherever we are in the pandemic? Well, it's definitely different than my debuts that came out in 2020. Last year when my YA book came out, my debut, it was in, in April when oh, wow. everything was shut down and Amazon had deprioritized books and decided to only send out toilet paper. <laughs> that whole author journey just completely changed for all the debuts last year. This year was a lot different because bookstores were open and Amazon was actually selling books. And the book that came out just last, last month in June is called Sunny Song Will Never Be Famous, and it's a young adult coming-of-age novel, and it's about a Korean-American teenager, and she's an influencer, and she is shipped off to a digital detox farm camp in Iowa. Well, I just think that that book sounds so entertaining. I think I'm going to have to read it myself. I don't really read much YA, but it sounds like a lot of fun. And I got it for my girls, and I know they're going to love it. <laughs> I, I hope so. It was a lot of fun to write, and both Sunny Song Will Never Be Famous and So We Meet Again. I wrote both of them in 2020 as we were in quarantine. And when I wrote both of them, I knew I needed a comfort write. So I'm hoping that translates into both books being a comfort read. I'm sure it will. Well, what about your titles? Like, how did you come up with the title for this one? So this book was called Untitled for a long time. <laughs> we didn't have a name for it because I think it was more of an organic kind of development of the story. At the end, I shot over a list of a dozen book titles, uh, had prioritized them somewhat. And So We Meet Again worked for both of us. And I, I liked it because, you know, she does have this, this uh, rekindling of a whatever relationship you call it with your childhood nemesis, uh, Daniel Choi. And she keeps running into him in the story because she's very unlucky. <laughs> but she's also works in industries and things that he keeps popping in and out of too. Well, and they're part of the same community. Yes. And they're part of the same community. Well, are you going to continue on this path of one YA and one adult book every year? I mean, are you working on stuff for next year that, that will have the same pattern of publishing? Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm hoping to slow down at some point. I think in 2023, it'll slow down a bit, but next year, 
I have a YA holiday rom-com coming out in fall of 2022, and that is currently untitled. And that book is about two teenagers who work at a local mall. One is Korean American, one's Chinese American, and they find out that their mall is going to close. And they not only have their teenage jobs, sorry, their high school jobs kind of wrapped up in the mall business, but they also, their parents also have businesses in the food court. So they're worried as much as they hate each other, they have to work together to save the mall. That sounds cute. Yeah, it it was a cute story. And I just turned that one in. And then my next book is about a Korean American woman who is applying for a fancy job and during the job application process finds out in a background check that she didn't actually complete her college degree. So she has to go back to school, back to college 10 years later, and she finds out that her TA is her college ex-boyfriend. Oh, that sounds fun. That one stemmed from a nightmare that I always have, which is that I show up to class and I have never taken the class and suddenly have to take the exam. (laughs) And I have this nightmare every few months. And it's funny when I announced that this book was coming out and how the idea came to fruition, a lot of people were like, I have that exact same dream. So I at least know there's something there that people can relate to. That's so funny. I don't have that dream. But every once in a while, I have a dream where I'm back on my college campus and I'm lost and the campus in the dream looks like it should, but it looks nothing like my real campus. You know how your dreams will do that for you. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, that was so weird. And I can't find a classroom and I'm late, but I don't ever have the exam dream. Ah, I bet they're similar. They um, probably are. People say they're anxiety dreams, these ones where you're kind of lost and really confused by what's happening. Um, And it deals with some sort of place that you lived in or, you know, an experience you've lived and it's totally different than what you think it was. I guess you're right. They are pretty similar. The idea is that you're back someplace you were before and things aren't like they should be. Yeah. Well, it's nice for you that at least those are in fall of 2022 and then early 2023 give you a little bit of a break because I bet it was a lot of work getting two books out so close together. It was. And last year I had the two books to promote and release while I had to draft two books. And I don't recommend that for anybody (laughs) if you can help it. The way it happened though was not some strategic plan or anything. It was just two contracts that happened to overlap. I got deals around the same time and it just fell into place where they were a little staggered, but it was doable. But then with the pandemic, everything pushed out a little bit. And then it became more of a crunch situation in 2020. But overall, because of how everything happened, it kept me busy during the pandemic, to be honest, I think it took me, you know, I had to get over the shock and numbness of, you know, having to be on deadline during the pandemic. But once I started writing, it was a good escape for me. Oh, definitely a nice distraction. I mean, that's the whole reason I started the podcast. And obviously, it's kept going, and I've loved it. But it was such a nice distraction in early days of the pandemic. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people handled things so differently. Some people procrastinated. Um, some people made a lot of sourdough bread. There's a lot of, you know, being on more social media. And then for me, it was I just need to hunker down and get these words in. And I had these word count goals and was able to finally ramp up to a point where it was like a reasonable number to be able to hit my deadline. 
Well, I mean, and how fabulous to have four books coming out in two years, you know, on the flip side of that, that's just wonderful. Yeah, thank you. It's it's definitely been something that I never expected. So <laughs> <laughs> I never in my life thought I would be able to produce four books and then be on contract for three additional books. So I'm very happy about that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, speaking about books, what have you read lately that you really liked? I have had a good run actually this whole year. There was a point of 2020 where I wasn't really able to read very much, but I think I've been able to like much like my word count been able to ramp up my reading as well. So the most recent book that I read, I just finished it was is by Alexa Martin and it is Mom Jeans and Other Mistakes and she is a romance writer that is transitioned to women's fiction for this book. And it's about two broke single women who move in together, they're childhood friends, and then together they have to navigate relationships and jobs and their families, specifically their own mothers. And so that was a ton of fun to read. There's a hot mess main character, and she was also hilarious. So it was just a nice little break from all my drafting. I also read The Soulmate Equation and People You Meet on Vacation as well right before that. And I really enjoyed those two books. And then the final book that I read pretty recently was The Heart Principle by Helen Huang. And that book is about a violinist who is struggling with burnout. And then she meets her motorcycle riding love interest who, after a failed one night stand, realizes she has feelings for him. It's the third of a three book series. And While it's heartbreaking, it's also hopeful. It is a romance, but it does deal with some heavier topics of depression and anxiety and an autism diagnosis. Those are books I have read recently and really enjoyed. And is the Helen Wong out yet? That book comes out August 31st. And then Mom Jeans and Other Mistakes comes out in September. Oh, okay, good. It's just helpful for people to know that when they go to look them up, I think. I've seen the middle two all over Instagram. And I'm sure Helen's book will be the same thing once it's out. Yes, absolutely. I I agree. I was like, you know, everybody has probably read The Soulmate Equation and people you meet on vacation. But I too have read them. So People may see them, but they may not have actually picked them up yet. So it's always nice to have the recommendation that they are, in fact, good. Yeah, they're wonderful books. And they provide great escapism, especially during the summer. Which we all really need right now. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much for joining me today on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you about So We Meet Again. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please consider joining my Patreon as a page turner. Follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page. Tell all of your friends about the podcast and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed today can be purchased at the Conversations from a Page bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to Maggie Garza for sponsoring this episode, and I hope you'll tune in next time. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, 
we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.